Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radel, and I'm joined by Eminence, Bill Werner, Brent Palm, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's happening in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Minnesota veterans are being honored. Give to the Max Day is right around the corner. It was an emotional weekend for a trio of former Golden Gopher golfers last weekend. But first, midterm elections this week in Minnesota, and they were far from dull. Eminence Bill Werner is here to hit the highlights for us. Tasha, there is a new state law that allows convicted felons after they've been released from prison or jail to vote in Minnesota, and some of them presumably did that this week. Just last week, the Minnesota Court of Appeals ruled Mille Lacs County District Judge Matthew Quinn overstepped his authority when he told convicted felons at sentencing that they couldn't vote until after they finished probation, while at the same time Quinn declaring Minnesota's new felon voting law unconstitutional. The appeals court decision negated that ruling, but there is still a court case challenging the law's constitutionality, and senior counsel James Dickey with the Upper Midwest Law Center says... The Court of Appeals decision has no bearing whatsoever on our case that goes forward in the Anoka County District Court. But the Anoka County judge still has that case under advisement and did not rule before the polls opened this week, prompting Secretary of State Steve Simon to say... Our assumption, unless a court says otherwise, and no court has is that it's full speed ahead with Restore the Vote. Voters went to the polls Tuesday in a number of communities across Minnesota to vote for mayor, city council, school board, and to decide on school districts' requests for bond issues and operating levies. About two-thirds of them were approved. Greg Abbott with the Minnesota School Boards Association says, 30 of 45 bond or capital project levies passed, which is really good. The big questions were approved. The Osseo's $223 million, South Washington's $250 million combined, even Mankato's $105 million. Abbott says, though, many of the referendums or levies that failed were in smaller districts in rural Minnesota, including a pocket of districts up north. Grand Rapids, Deer River, Pequot Lakes, Osakis, Wadena. And then there's some smaller districts in southern Minnesota that didn't pass either if the Martin County West, Montevideo, Stewartville, Lewiston, Medford. Abbott says a $15 million bond referendum for RTR public schools failed by 16 votes. The Rochester School District's $10 million technology levy also narrowly defeated in Tuesday's election. The mayoral contest that probably got the most attention was in Duluth, where PAC money streamed in, contributing to a record half million dollars in spending between both campaigns as two-term incumbent Emily Larson tried to fend off a challenge from former state Senator Roger Reinert, who trounced her in the August primary, 63% to Larson's 35. UMD political science department head Cindy Rugely said any elected official who's served more than one term. You're kind of in this awkward position of having to either defend the status quo or answer a question of why you hadn't fixed the problem yet. And I think she finds herself in that position pretty often. Mayor Larson, on Election Day, was unable to move the needle hardly at all from those August primary numbers and conceded on election night, even before any results were reported. But one night and one race and one election that cannot ever sour us from our work and our impact and our purpose. Challenger Reiner took 60% of the vote in Duluth to Larson's 40%. We took on forces from D.C., We took on forces from St. Paul and not just held our own, but won tonight. 
Across the nation, Democrats racked up midterm election victories on abortion in Ohio, Kentucky, and Virginia at the same time that the latest poll showed President Biden losing support, particularly among younger voters concerned about his age. Hamlin University political analyst David Schultz said the situation Democrats and Biden are in. The issues may be working for him. But his persona is not. And Schultz says if Biden were to decide not to continue his campaign. The Democrats don't have the deep bench. Schultz says among names being tossed around, California Governor Gavin Newsom, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, and even Minnesota Governor Tim Walls. But Schultz says he's skeptical whether Walls would be a viable national candidate. Well, we are already at the one-year mark to the next presidential election, and polls indicate, as I mentioned, President Biden has problems. Carleton College political analyst Stephen Shear says the president has forthrightly embraced Israel, but support for Palestine is higher among people under age 30 than in older age groups, a problem for Biden. Particularly with activist groups on the political left who definitely don't want Trump and would be happy to accept Biden over Trump, but now this issue is in their way. Probably be, in many states at least, uh, two third-party candidates, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Cornell West. And I would think that uh, they may do particularly well with younger voters who are disaffected with Biden. Shear says third-party candidates could determine the outcome in states where the margin is tight between Biden and likely Republican candidate Donald Trump. And speaking of former President Trump, the Minnesota Supreme Court this week denied a request by former Secretary of State Joan Grow and other prominent figures to keep Trump off the presidential primary ballot in Minnesota in March of 2024. The high court at the same time saying the issue of whether he can be on the ballot next November is not ripe, meaning the high court never even got to the issue of whether Trump incited the January 6th riots at the Capitol and could be disqualified from holding office. Technically, the 14th Amendment insurrection clause really only talks about holding office, not about running for office. And Hamlin University legal and political analyst David Schultz says from the high court there was... No decision regarding whether or not what Trump did was an insurrection. This is just not the right place at the right time to address this question. They made no decision on any of the legal questions, leaving the parties free if they want to come back in the future. Former Secretary of State Joan Groh, who's leading the Trump ballot challenge in Minnesota, told MNN she assumes this week's Minnesota Supreme Court ruling is, quote, the end of the road for efforts to keep Donald Trump off Minnesota's presidential primary ballot next March. But as for next November... There's been no decision yet about whether or not we will revisit this issue uh, before the general election. But Groh also said the Supreme Court... They almost um, issued an invitation to us to file again. Minnesota Republican Party Chairman David Hand said the high court's ruling, quote, should serve as a wake-up call to the allies of President Joe Biden that courtrooms in Minnesota will not be used to prevent voters from fully participating in our elections. Tasha? Thanks, Bill. More Minnesota Matters after this. Quitting smoking or vaping can be difficult, and it can be even harder during times like these when stress is often higher. Finding healthy ways to manage that stress without nicotine is important. For Minnesota residents who are ready to quit smoking, vaping, or using smokeless tobacco, Quit Partner is ready to help. Through a family of free programs, 
Quit Partner offers free support like one-on-one coaching, emails and texts, educational materials, and quit medications like patches, gum, and lozenges delivered by mail. In fact, a mix of quit coaching and quit medications can help double a person's chances of quitting. No matter what support a person would like to try through Quit Partner, it's always judgment-free. And now that Minnesota has raised the legal sales age for tobacco to 21, residents may be looking for quitting resources now more than ever. To learn more, visit quitpartnermn.com or call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radal. Those who are serving or have served in the U.S. military are being honored during the official State Veterans Day ceremony in Invergrove Heights. Eminence Brent Palm talks with the head of the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs about this year's event and the reason for the national and state holiday. Interim Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs Commissioner Brad Lindsay. Hey, thanks for joining us today to talk about Veterans Day. Yeah, thank you, Brent. Appreciate you having me on. Well, we know there are probably Veterans Day ceremonies going on across the state, but the official state Veterans Day program is going to be in Invergrove Heights Saturday. Brad, tell us first off, just briefly, uh, how it's the official state one and how we picked Invergrove Heights. So we, we kind of started a, a partnership here uh, a few years ago. We had, we had moved our uh, event around uh, to different places. And then, uh, gosh, it's been a while now, maybe seven or eight years ago, we landed in Invergrove Heights. And uh, the venue works so well in the city and all the folks involved are so accommodating to the process that we've, we've kind of kept it there uh, over the last few years at the uh, at their Veterans Memorial Community Center. So the official piece of it is, uh, you know, it is hosted by my agency, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and then we're recognized by the federal VA as being the uh, official uh, site uh, for uh, um, the Veterans Day event in, in Minnesota. Okay, and Veterans Day falls on a Saturday this year. So uh, are we thinking maybe a, a pretty solid turnout? We're hoping so. You know, we've had, uh, we're hoping to get up to 500 people or so, which we've had in the past at least. You know, the last two or three years now, we've been a little restricted with uh, the COVID pandemic and all of that. So we had some virtual celebrations and then some uh, um, mixed where we had partial virtual and partial in person. Uh, but this will be the, the first year since 2020 now we've been fully in person. And like you said, with it being on a Saturday, uh, hopefully we can beat those past turnouts, which, like I said, we've had up to 500 in the past. So, Hey, uh, Commissioner Lindsay, how about a, a history lesson here? Why do we hold it on November the 11th every year. What does that recognize? What does that signify? And why do we hold Veterans Day? Yeah, so the uh, um, the day that World War One ended was November 11th of 1918. Um, so on November 11th of 1919, uh, the first anniversary of the end of World War One uh, was designated as Armistice Day. Um, and then later on in uh, 1926, Congress passed a resolution for the annual observance, and November 11th became the national holiday uh, starting in 1938. 
Um, sometimes people get a little confusion between Memorial Day and Veterans Day. Uh, Veterans Day specifically is to pay tribute to all American veterans, living or dead, but especially giving thanks to those who are living uh, and served their country uh, during war or peace. Memorial Day is specifically for those we lost in war and those who have passed uh, after their service. The current forecast looks like maybe low 40s, so I've been to some outdoor veterans ceremonies throughout the years where it's been 25 and snowy, so it sounds like this forecast is okay. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. And, you know, we're doing a free breakfast that morning too, so uh, I've found over the years that uh, veterans uh, uh, will definitely show up if you feed them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've watched these before. I know we've had U.S. Senators speak, governors speak. Who's going to give the keynote address this year, and who else might be uh, speaking on Veterans Day? Yeah, so the, the keynote is uh, my good friend, uh, Stephen uh, Butch. Uh, he goes by Whitehead. Um, so Butch was the uh, um, senior enlisted advisor, just retired for the Minnesota National Guard. Um, so the, the senior most ranking uh, command sergeant major, uh, like I said, he just retired last month. But he's also the uh, adjutant of the Minnesota uh, Disabled American Veterans, and he is a past national commander of the uh, Disabled American Veterans. Um, so he's going to be our keynote and uh, uh, should be should be great. And, of course, one of the things I know you guys always do, um, patriotic music. Is there a band playing this year? Yes, absolutely. So we're we're always fortunate to uh, get at least a contingent of the 34th Infantry Division Red Bull Band. So they will be there uh, going through and playing all the service songs, of course, uh, for all the different branches. And uh, the Adjutant General uh, of the Minnesota National Guard, their boss, uh, Major General Sean Mankiel, will be there as well. Good. Well, hey, it was good to hear that, uh, you know, things are back in person. I know you have to be careful, especially, you know, I know there's probably a few older folks who attend these ceremonies. And so, yeah, 21 and 22, probably maybe a little better last fall. But like you said, it'll kind of be nice to, to get back to some normalcy, right? Absolutely. And, you know, we uh, we will still have, uh, uh, you know, we still encourage people if they're uh, not comfortable to absolutely uh, wear masks uh, and things like that. And they'll be welcome to do so. Uh, but it, it's it's their choice and their decision to make. I, I know we're in person again this year, but I did notice uh, on the news release from uh, your department that it will be live streamed again if you can't make it to the Southeast Metro, which is pretty cool. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. It, all you have to do is go to minnesotaveteran.org and you can find the link there to, uh, to to watch it on the live stream as well. Interim Veterans Affairs Commissioner Brad Lindsay and MNN's Brent Palm. More Minnesota Matters after this break. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radal. Minnesota's largest giving campaign is just days away. Give to the Max Day, which will be held on Thursday, November 16th. Joining me today is Give MN Deputy Executive Director Jenna Ray. Give to 
the Next Day started in 2009. It was a one-time effort uh, to celebrate the launch of the new online giving platform, GiveMN.org, and was a one-day celebration of generosity, and since has grown over the last 15 years into an annual celebration of not only donors, but also the nonprofits and schools who support our communities 365 days a year. And thanks to the generosity of Minnesotans, the impact of Give to the Next Day continues to grow. And since that first year in 2009, Minnesotans have donated more than $290 million to more than 10,000 organizations across Minnesota. And we feel that impact every day of the year. Jenna, it seems like this time of year people are getting into the spirit of giving. I'm guessing these dollars raised during Give to the Max Day make quite an impact. Absolutely true. We know that folks are are giving and, and celebrating a spirit of generosity toward the end of the calendar year. We know that's a really important time for causes, organizations who are, are raising funds to support your, their work year-round. Uh, the end of the year is the, the biggest moment in a fundraiser and a nonprofit's year. And for many small and medium-sized nonprofits, Give to the Max Day might be their biggest or only fundraiser of the year. So gifts made during Give to the Max help to power the work of the organizations who make this a great place to live and work. They really power that work all year long. And we know that the start of the end of the year giving uh, and sharing period in Minnesota really begins with Give to the Max in November. For Minnesotans that can't take part next Thursday, is there a way to give early? They absolutely can, Tasha. So early giving is actually underway now. All gifts that are made during uh, this period, starting today through November 16th, the big day, uh, gifts made on GiveMN.org count toward that total. It gives organizations a little bit of wiggle room. It gives Folks who are, are excited and ready to give now or uh, ahead of that November 16th celebration an opportunity to be part of Give to the Max. So whether you give now or you wait until the big day, there's a, a place for you to, to be part of the celebration here in Minnesota and on GiveMN.org. Jenna, I know in years past there's been incentives for Give to the Max Day participants through golden tickets. Is that happening again this year? Oh, we sure are, Tasha. So we know that the funding that comes through uh, the Golden Ticket Prizes really helps to generate excitement all across our state, excitement with organizations, excitement with donors. So we're really grateful for our partnership with the Bush Foundation, which enables us to, to help share those golden tickets and ignite generosity. So all gifts made on GiveMN.org starting November 1st are eligible to be part of the $100,000 prize pool. Uh, and it means that your gift could be boosted by as much as $10,000 through random chance golden ticket drawings now through November 16th. We're about out of time today, Jenna. Any final thoughts? You know, Tasha, the success of Give to the Max Day really is fueled by the generosity of Minnesotans, and this year is no different. Minnesota continues to be one of the most generous states in the nation. We're really confident Minnesotans will step up again for this year's 15th annual campaign. We saw last year tens of thousands of people from Minnesota and around the world gave more than $34 million to 6,439 causes across our state. That's extraordinary, and we're so proud that Minnesota stood strong even as giving trended down nationally the last 18 months, and we're really confident Minnesota will show up and do the same again this year. 
Thanks again to my guest, Jenna Ray, Executive Director of GiveMN. For more information or to make a donation to your favorite nonprofit or school, head to GiveMN.org. More Minnesota Matters after this. From the North Shore to the Prairie and everywhere in between, the North Star State is home to thousands of communities, each worthy of the pride of the people who call it home. And although each of these places is unique, they're all made stronger by the nonprofits and the schools that make them a better place to live, work, and play. And on this Thursday, November 16th, Give to the Max Day, tens of thousands of generous donors will give back together to help build them up for the year ahead. For 15 years, Give to the Max has served as Minnesota's giving holiday, a time each year to celebrate generosity and support organizations making our community stronger. Visit GiveMN.org, search for the causes that mean the most to you, and have your generosity counted as part of this year's campaign. That's GiveMN.org. GiveMN.org. It was an emotional weekend for a trio of former Golden Gopher golfers last weekend. Eric Van Royen won his second PGA Tour event on Sunday, firing an eight under par on the back nine to seal the win in Mexico. Former gopher Alex Goggert is Van Royen's caddy, and the duo dedicated the win to a third former gopher, John Trasmar of Blue Earth, who has been diagnosed with terminal cancer. The emotional post-round interview with Van Royen has gone viral with millions of views. Current gopher golf coach Justin Smith spoke with Eminem sports director Mike Grimm about the emotional win for the former gopher and tell us about that group of gophers. This group is really special, um, and obviously that interview, you know, I think it was interesting. It was brought up this morning that Eric never talked about his golf game once right. in that interview. I don't believe, yeah, other um, than to say it was his job, right? Other than right. his job, and I got a job to do, and I got to kind of get in the ropes and and take care of business because that's what I'm here for. But um, to really kind of see Alex talked about it, right? Like it was just meant to be, and. Uh, there's a lot of things. I know it was just hearing a story this morning uh, where Eric shot 28 on the back nine. I think he finished birdie, birdie, eagle. And made. And he's, he's not like he's making putts from five feet. I mean, yeah. these were 20-footers. These were, fi- And so you start thinking, going like, wow, like there's there's something fun going on here. And the story they brought up this morning was um, they played, they were at a team event in Seton Hall. And uh, John Trasmar shot 28 on the back nine for the team to win by one or two, very close margin. And then for Eric to shoot 28... Uh, and finish the way he did, uh, that number is a pretty significant number for him now and kind of how it relates to John yeah. and, and kind of as, as a teammate and how close friends they are. So just some real connections that they're starting to make with it kind of beyond the fact wow. that brings you, you know, gives you goosebumps. I, um, I, I got goosebumps it, when it, you just it, said yeah, it, a little yeah. chills, yeah. And I think our Minnesota golf community, I mean, um, I, I know there's a lot of great programs out there, a lot of great alumni and support, and that's where college golf is, but – it's just different here, and um, we are different. To be really successful at golf in life in Minnesota where things are stacked against you, like you have to be different. And we look for that in, in recruits, and we look for that in our current student-athletes, and we, we want that. We encourage it. But what this group does, you know, um, yeah, the Alexes, the Erics, the John Trasmar, the Donnie Constables, even my old assistant, Matt Ritchie, is at St. Thomas. Bob Bell is my assistant coach. Um, Grady Meyer, like these – these guys are just so tight all the time, um, and to see that and to see the emotion, I don't know. It's yeah. sometimes you just the world stops, and and I think that's what uh, Eric keeps talking about. It's about people. Yeah, 
and, and the wins and losses come and go. And and that's what he kind of talked about was if he missed a putt at this point, who cares? Yeah. And maybe that helps free him up to play great golf. Um, so for those that, that didn't see it, you can find it. I mean, just anywhere. Do a search, Eric Van Royen, and you'll you'll find that that interview on. I think that was the Golf Channel or NBC, one of the two. Um, JT, they they had his initials on the golf ball. And for those that are listening to the podcast and haven't seen that, or maybe they don't follow golf. It, it's a story. If you don't follow golf, you still should follow this story. So JT, um, you guys are golfers, especially out in the sun all the time. I don't know if that's what caused this, but he has melanoma. Yeah. Not going to make it. Yeah. That's what Eric said. Just terrible. 32 years old. Um, and I, I honestly, I, I think I follow it close. I had not heard that part of the story um, until that interview. So um, if you can share whatever you feel comfortable sharing in terms yeah. of John and what he was fighting and how it started, and it looked like he was in the clear and just, just you know, terrible news, and now um, these guys are rallying around him. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think, um, you know, John was somebody, um, you know, I'd never coached him. Um, Brad James, my head coach, Andrew Tank, my assistant coach, Andrew's down at Iowa State now. A lot of donors, a lot of alumni that know John really well. Nobody was more well-respected than John Trasmar, and still is, no question, right? This doesn't change any of that. His legacy will live on. Uh, but, yeah, I think it was a couple years ago, and, and uh, I want to make sure I'm pretty accurate with this, but a couple years ago, yeah, I found kind of found a spot, stage three or stage four, pretty advanced, got it out, um, was recovering, was on a good path, got some clean scans, and then six to nine months later kind of had a scan that – as they kind of mentioned, kind of lit up like a Christmas tree and um, kind of the worst thing you could think of. Um, such a young person. Yeah, golfers, yeah. Um, this this has got to be my my public address announcement. Like, yeah. we got to make sure we wear our sunscreen and do the right things. And uh, my guys on my team give me a hard time for wearing a lot of layers all the time. And I don't have the greatest family history with that kind of stuff. So I'm trying to, you know, keep the layers on as best I can. But this this story can kind of prove as – uh, is is confirmation that yeah, like you just never know. Yeah. And uh, and I think what Eric's message was, it was cool to see him kind of address the football team this morning. That it's about people. It's about right now. Like what you think really matters in the end. Like it doesn't. It's the people that matter. Um, so when John, yeah, was kind of battling through it and kind of on a good path, and then he would kind of get a setback. And I think it was about a week ago when uh, he kind of messaged that group of friends, and I was messaged by one of them as an update and. Uh, what we can do in our, our program, what we can do in the department to kind of show support because it's uh, it's going to be crucial. Yeah. Um, and just to see the raw emotion. I mean, you just you never want to see people hurt like that. And I don't you know it doesn't matter who they are or what they do. And um, but that was real authentic, and it was just something that it just rips your heart out. Yeah, so man. And Eric said he was still in disbelief. I could see how you have that emotion. Said so they were flying back then to Minnesota. They're here. Um, so they, did they see him, see John yesterday? Yeah, I believe a whole group of them went down to see him down at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester all day yesterday. Yeah. yeah. I bet that was something to see with those guys in that room and trying to, trying to, yeah. uh, you know, share memories and yeah, high I saw. Five. I think yeah. high five. I think he said we'll give him a high five. Yeah. I'm sure there were high five shared. Yeah, yeah, I saw. Yeah, I saw some good group photos, and boy, it was a lot of people that went down and support. But yeah, I think at this time, for me as a coach, right, like you, you get so enamored with how our fall season went or what we got to do to get ready for the spring and that stuff. It's important we keep our team going, but I've really kind of been been kind of put back um, in trying to take a bigger picture uh, of things and really connect with people. And, and that's the reason why I love being in this job and people like this friend group or, um, you know, different groups from the 60s or 70s or 80s that have played for Go for Golf or yeah. my family and friends. And at the end, I sit there and go, that's where I get the joy from. And so 
why not just try to keep doing that as best we can. That's Gopher Golf Coach Justin Smith with MNN Sports Director Mike Graham. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Minnesota Matters. Be sure to join us again next week on this MNN affiliate station, same time, same place. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Tasha Radel.